Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. We're teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. This is actually the 16th message in this series because we like to do short and concise messages around here. (laughs) We don't want to stay on a subject too long just in case you get bored. No, we just get it until we get her done, and then we move on to the next. Uh, And we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We originally uh, began talking about, um, uh, we actually went a direction I didn't think we were going to go. It would have been easier for me just to go to the gifts of the Spirit as far as defining them, because I've done that before. But we started out talking about the importance of the body, not uh, always recognizing or learning to recognize what God has called you to do, and not... Uh, depreciating it or over-appreciating it. So not getting under... Well, I'll put it to you like this. When we were in Bible college, we had a teacher, and he said pride is thinking anything more or less than what God says about you. Okay? So how many remember when Doug Jones was here? You remember this? Right? Okay, what is that? That's humility. (laughs) It's the humility dance, right? (laughs) That's what he called it. But... But pride is either thinking too much or too little of yourself. It's both. And so as Herb has said over and over again, and you've heard it before, you've heard other people say it, but for every mile of road, there are two, mi- there are two miles of ditch on either side, right? So we try to stay. We do our best to stay in the middle of the road, okay? If you get too much just study of the Scripture, you become dry and crispy, you become, you become calloused, hard, uh, you get puffed up. You can get legalistic. If you have too much just move of the Spirit, you become Christian tra- trail mix, right? You have a church full of flakes and nuts, right? But if you stay in the middle of the road... You get just the right amount of moisture from the presence of God and the right amount of uh, information, illumination from the Scripture to keep you balanced as possible. And what I found is it's just a it's a constant thing that you do year by year by year by year. You keep growing, and it, it doesn't get. I've never had this combination fail me. It gets gooder and gooder, as we say, every year. Amen. Okay, I've never been disappointed by the word and I've never been disappointed by genuine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Never have. And uh, the Lord is that way. He's good to us. So we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We went through the vocal gifts and we classified those. If you want to go back, you can listen to that. And we started on the power gifts last week, which is the gifts of healings. It's the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and gifts of healings. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse number 10. We're going to talk about the working of miracles tonight. That's where we're going to start. And these are uh, these I, we classify, Pentecostal groups classify as the power gifts. And um, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, by the Holy Spirit, the Paul, Apostle Paul said this, to another, the working of miracles. So the working of miracles. If you're taking notes and you want a definition, I'm going to give you several of them. Then we'll look at several passages of Scripture. But the working of miracles. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. 
So a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. I got a little bit more here. A temporary suspension of the accustomed order. A miracle or working of miracles, a miracle is an interruption of the system of nature as we know it. Operated by the force of the Spirit of God. Okay? And I'm going to give you more definition along these lines, but and it'll make more sense as we go. But And you'll see it from the scripture. But I do like that. It's an interruption of the system of nature as we know it, operated by the force of supernatural power. Okay? So this is God getting into the middle of something that's cursed and changing it. Now, we talked about this before. So I'm going to refer to this a lot because the Lord's really ministered to me out of this. But Genesis chapter 3 gives us the account of how our world was interrupted by evil. Genesis chapter 3, okay, so if you're familiar with scripture, you know this. Genesis chapter 3 is where Adam and Eve decided to eat off a tree that they shouldn't have, right? Okay, they were told not to eat off that tree. When they did that, that was, uh, now, I, I don't think we could think of them as natural like you and I think of as natural because they were glorified at that time and then they they lost that in the soul and in the body area. Now there was still eternal spiritually because you never whether you're born again or not you're eternal in your spirit. You know people talk about, you know, I got we have eternal life. Everybody does. In a sense. It's just some people it'll be eternal death because they don't receive Christ, right? We know that. But what, what Adam and Eve did at that point was they chose to eat from something that God told them not to. And when they did that, they gave access to a new spirit that they had not known before. Now, we actually have, they had their thinking taken from a, a place of holiness, righteousness, complete openness and fellowship with God into a steady distancing away from understanding God, generation after generation after generation. Now, us today, where God has chosen to place us in the dispensation of time, we actually are born into what they had to learn, and we actually have to learn what they knew before the fall. Right? So we're going the other direction. Because we're born into sin. It's all we know. You know, you could have looked at Adam and Eve and, and, and if you were able to go back and hang out with them at that time before even the fall and you'd look at them and go, you know, I, really, I woke up this morning, I must have slept wrong. Because I got a headache. And they would go, oh, what? It's hard for you to imagine that, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's working my brain too. <laughs> but God never created a headache. He didn't. 
You say, prove it. Okay. The scripture says in heaven, there's absolutely no sickness. So if, if sickness was a part of God, they'd be in heaven. Because whoever he is, would be, that's emanating, it's producing. So when Adam and Eve were created, they, didn't, they wouldn't understand. You could say, oh, I stubbed my toe. And they'd be like, what? what? You know, I fell and I got a bruise. What's a bruise? Bruises, hurt, pain like that is the result of the fall. It's how we got into the condition that we're in physically. And... In the soul realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So all of these areas. So what a working of miracles is, now we know this from Scripture. It talks about the fact that Satan, one of the words that, that God used in the Old Testament concerning Satan was that he was full of violence. And that word in the Hebrew, if you look it up, one of the definitions, I think it's in Vines in the Old Testament, but if you look it up, it, it, that word actually means a, a disruption in the divinely established order of things. So what that means is, is that Satan came along and disrupted divine order. So watch, a working of miracles is a disruption of the disruption. It is, come on. It is an interruption of the system of nature as we know it, operated by the Spirit of God. So what the enemy meant for evil, God... Come on, John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy, right? But I came to give you life and life more abundantly. So what is God doing? He's saying, hey, it was going this way, but now I'm going to take it this way. And he interrupts what's going on in the earth that's considered normal, and he shows himself. <laughs> that's the working of miracles. Okay, we're going to see it. It's in the scripture, and I want to show you the scripture because I can, I can, you know, give you all of all of the descriptive things, but the word does a better job. So the working of miracles is the translation of the Greek, and I am not going to try and say it. Yes, I am. I'm going to try and say it. It's energamada, and then the second word is dunamion, which literally rendered is operations of supernatural powers. A miracle is an event or action that apparently contradicts known scientific laws and is hence thought to be due to supernatural causes, especially to an act of God. In the New Testament, events of supernatural origin are called signs, wonders, and miracles. The Greek words translated miracles, wonders, and signs literally mean events of divine power. Uh, another one is events that cause wonderment and events that signify something about God or his working. 
That's what a miracle is. Examples of miracles are supernatural deliverances. Let's look at some of them. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. That's in your Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 2, and this is uh, Elisha. I'm talking to God about if I can go to heaven this way that Elijah did. Come on, some of you better, you better believe God for some big going homes if you... <laughs> Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9, it says, So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit, um, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be done. It shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, verse 11, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two, uh, separated the two, the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he carried out, or he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And you may think that was the miracle. Nope, that's not it. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. So he picked up the mantle. In other words, uh, when, when, Elisha went, or when Elijah went up, his mantle came. Why? Because mantles are not needed in heaven. They're needed here. Now, there's a whole lesson here on, on being faithful and, and anointings and stuff like that, but I'm not going to go into that right now. But it's a powerful truth. So verse 14 is the miracle. Then Elijah, he took up the mantle of, or Elisha took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. So he picked up the mantle and he did what on the water? He hit it. Do you see that? He struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was what? Divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. What Does that sound like a, an interruption? In the normal course of scientific knowledge? Okay. That's, that right there is a miracle. It's a demonstration of power. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an event of divine power. Let's go continue, uh, turn over a few pages to chapter 13 in 2 Kings. We'll get through some of these Old Testament ones and, and then we'll go to the New Testament. Chapter 13 and then verse 19. I like this one. This one is a, a, a dead man raised to life after being thrown on Elisha's bones. You know, Elisha had doubled the miracles that Elijah did, but you know it doubled after he died? Elisha was dead and the final miracle happened. Go back and read it. 
Study it. It's interesting. He had a double portion and had twice the miracles, right? And the last miracle he wasn't even alive for. He was already in heaven. So don't give up your faith. You know, because we, we, we think too American. We just do. You know what Joseph said, right? Joseph would not allow his bones to be put in the ground at Egypt. He said, when you guys go, take my bones and bury me in the promised land. Now, that's faith. I don't, I don't know what you call that, but I call that faith. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, whatever you do with my body, I don't care. I won't be here. Joseph's like, no. The Lord said, that's our land. Now, that is faith. Come on, you got to be like a bulldog with the word of God. You bite down on the bone and nobody comes near that bone. That's my, that's my scripture and nobody gets it. It's mine. <laughs> you got to be tenacious in your faith. Well, this is Elisha's last miracle, verse 19. And the man of God was angry. You, you can go back and read the story. Um, but the man of God got irritated with one of the kings because he didn't strike the earth enough. Uh, he only struck the ground, I think it was three times. And the man of God said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But you, now you will strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the tomb, the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he, received, he revived and stood to his feet. Now that would freak you out. I don't care who you are. If you were a Catholic, you'd become Pentecostal, just like that. You're like, yeah, I believe in that. <laughs> I believe in all those miracles, you know. Your denomination goes out the door when God works miracles. I mean, it should go out the door pretty much anyway. But you know what I mean? He, these guys were burying a guy, and then they saw somebody coming, and they're like, hurry up, let him down, let him down. Boom, he hits the bones back up. He goes, can you imagine? I just pictured this in my mind. There's three guys. Let's say there's three or four guys letting him down. And then they, they let him all the way down. Then they turn around. And then all of a sudden, they realize there's five instead of four. And the dead guy standing next to him going, what are we looking at? <laughs> see, these are the things that go through my mind. But see, that's what, I mean, would you even care about the Raiders anymore? About the, the thieves that were coming? That's a miracle. That's a working of a miracle. Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. Chapter 7. Now, when we're reading these, this is not just a historical account. This is for today. And uh, we're trained, we've been taught in the church not to believe that they're for today, except I've never found that scripture. <sighs> right? 
right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm on it, Mary. She's like, go, go. <laughs> no, no. The working of miracles is, it didn't end, or uh, I like to say it like this. God didn't die with the apostles. He's still the same. And just because we don't understand everything is no excuse to limit him or to change, for us to change what he said about himself to us. We have to be careful about that. We have to be very careful about it. So when you read these miracles and things, you can't just think, oh, you know, I don't know if that's for today. That was probably some account. You know, <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, uh, that the old, many of the Old Testament things, you know, they were kind of just made up stories that, you know, there's truths in there. And that's men's opinion. You know, like I heard years ago, somebody say, you know, uh, uh, that the Red Sea actually didn't split. That there, the winds and everything went just right. And there's actually a kind of a sandbar in there. And the Israelites walked across. And if you really think, you'll see a greater miracle out of that story. Because all the Egyptians died in ankle-deep water. <laughs> they drowned in it. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, those guys were weighted down with armor. If you... <laughs> okay. No, God's still a miracle worker. Miracle worker. Exodus chapter 7, verse number 10. This is where Aaron's rod turns into a snake. Exodus chapter 7, verse number 10. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod. See, this is how miracles happen. You do just as the Lord commanded. What did he tell you to do? That's what you do. What does that do? Just like God, just like Adam and uh, Eve, which Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't, but just like they did, they, they acted on what the enemy told them to do instead of God, it opened something up to them. If we act on what God tells us to do, it keeps the door of his power operating. And that's what Moses and Aaron did, right? And so we see here that they went in, and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. So this was a stick that turned into a snake. Interesting. That's called a working of miracles. Well, there's a better one after this one. I like the next one. I don't like the, I, I don't know if when this was when lice was invented, but you'll like the next one too. But it says this in verse 11, but Pharaoh also called his wise men and sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner. What's this? This is demonic activity. And people say, well, what do we do with demonic activity? Verse 12, for every, uh, for every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Why? Because greater is he that was in that rod than what was in the other rods. 
That's my best New Testament scripture for that verse. (laughs) In other words, what was God saying? Sure, the devil can do stuff, but I just overcome it. God was saying, I chew the devil up and spit him out. Because he's a worker of miracles, right? Exodus chapter 8. I, I, when I did a teaching on miracles a while back, I used a ton of the, the plagues in Egypt that took place. Exodus chapter 8, verse number 16. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and watch, strike the dust of the land so that it may become what? Lice. We were driving by on uh, Tuesday when the wind was really blowing hard. And uh, there's a street over here next to that trailer park. Um, Where am I at? On Shiloh and Central. You know that corner where that open field is there? Next to the trailer court there? All this dust had blown across the street and had filled the front yards of the houses across the street. Imagine if all that dust turned to lice. (laughs) I don't know if this was when lice was invented, but... I, this is disappointing. <laughs> Verse 17 says, And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout the land of Egypt. Yuck. I mean, Pharaoh, you know, just let him go. <laughs> you know? Just let them go. But what is it? That's a working of miracles. Let's go over to 1 Kings. So we were in 2 Kings. Let's go to 1 Kings. And we'll look at Elijah and give him some credit here on 1 The woman that he, uh, the uh, widow woman that he ministered to. Go 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 12. So she said, and this is the widow woman, to Elijah. She said to Elijah, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and what? No, she she knows she's at the end of her rope. Now, when all you have is just a tiny amount of food like this and you're a widow woman and you have your son and you know you're going to eat and die, a lot of times naturally thinking it would not pay off to listen to the prophet. If you just stayed in your natural thinking, why would, I know I don't have enough to live on, but maybe I have enough to make enough to where I can die with, you know, starting out with a full stomach. But this woman had faith. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, 
Go and do as you have said. This is another key to the working of miracles. Do not fear. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up. And nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Does God know how to provide if natural things are not going the way you thought? Yes, he does. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. Can you imagine? It's not like she's putting more oil in there. She just keeps pouring it. It's not like she's just adding flour to the bin. It just is there. It's just there. And it says this, it didn't run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. All right, let's go to John chapter 2. We'll get into the New Testament here. John chapter 2. Now, there, there are, uh, this, this actually, this passage answers a couple of questions. One, it demonstrates a miracle and a working of miracles which I really like, but the other is it also answers the question, how many have seen, uh, there's been a few movies that have come out recently and they're supposed to be similar to like when Jesus was a child and they show uh, like a little kid healing a bird and you know all of this stuff. Have you seen those before? Uh, they have them around. There are some teachings um, in Christian groups that teach that Jesus did all sorts of things as a kid. You know, because he was God. And not that he wasn't God in that sense. But this scripture actually says this was the first miracle he ever did. So you want to stay away from those. Those other teachings like that. Just stay away from them. Stick with the word. Amen? Amen. All right. John chapter 2, verse number 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. No, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So they were invited to the wedding. Verse 3, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, you know, she didn't even argue with him. She just said, I'm your mom. You're going to do this. <laughs> right? She just goes on. She doesn't even, she just turns to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Key to a miracle. Whatever he says to you. See, what people read into it that they shouldn't is that they have to be the power. Well, God, I can't do it. Like he didn't know. He knew, <laughs> right? He knows our limitations. Now, people say, well, I'm unlimited. You're as unlimited as he empowers you to be. God's power functions within the boundary of his words. And it can be restricted 
Not that he's restricted, not that he loses power, but his ability to operate in our lives is restricted by our faith. And we know this, that his faith is directly tied and accessible from his word. So people say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bound or I'm, I, I feel restricted in my life in this area. Okay, are you doing what he said? Because that's what releases or removes or breaks the yokes and bondages of the enemy in this life. Right? So we can never get to the place where we go, well, I know what the word says. Oh, I, how many have done that? I've done that. And, I, you know, and I, fortunately, the Lord has been uh, gracious with me, and I've had enough sense to keep going back to him, even if I'm upset about it. So have any been upset at the Lord? You, you know, it's not really like, I don't know if I would say I'm a, a, a upset at him, but I'm upset kind of with the situation, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed that prayer? And the Lord is very gracious. He just goes, all right. And then he shows you and you know it and you're like, ooh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said that the way, you know. It's like, all right, let's go on. You know, let's just move on. He cares so much for us, he puts up with our stuffs. I'll put it to you like this. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmity, right? He knows it. That doesn't mean he'll let you make that infirmity your identity. If you want to work with God, you have to adjust. You have to adjust. You, I, we have to adjust to him. God doesn't conform to we conform to you know it's impossible for us to transform his thinking but I've tried to do it how many have had your kids try to transform your thinking How many of you have had your kids pitch a fit on the floor trying to transform your thinking? See, we're no different with the Lord. We just, you know, I mean, the older you get, you may not lay on the floor and pound, but you'll sit in your easy chair and, and watch the TV. Okay, I got to stop prophesying and move on. All right. So a key to miracle is whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's, it's a key. And then he goes on to say this. He goes on to say this in verse number six. Now there were uh, set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots, pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was, it, that was made wine and did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom 
And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. When the guests have drunk well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of what signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Now, I don't care how long you let water sit in a pot, it will never turn to wine. It won't. But when God gets in something, see, God's, he's so amazing. He made water. So on a scientific level that we don't even understand yet. I think we were going to understand science, you know, eternal, in eternity. and th- We're going to understand things we've just never understood before. We get little glimpses of things. And then we play with it from humanity's standpoint. Instead of fellowshipping with God like George Washington Carver did and get miracles out of it, the world takes scientific knowledge that God allows into the earth and they try to turn things into things they shouldn't and mess with stuff because they get away from the truth of the word of God. But what did Jesus do? Jesus speaks. God on a level goes, okay, I know what we need to change inside that water in order to, for it to go from water to wine, and he just does it. And that's outside of our control. That's his power operating. Our, our job is to just do what he said. What was, I mean, come on. Was there a lot of fasting and different things going on here? Where Did the servants have to like go through a certain ritual? All they had to do was go get water and put it in the pot. It seems like at times, and I'm not against studying and knowing the word, but sometimes it feels like the more of the word we know, the less of the miracles we see. It shouldn't be that way. The only, the only conclusion that I can come to at times is we're not doing what he... That'll keep you awake at night. At least it will me. Because I want to see. Now, I'm not talking about I need to see to believe. I believe, but I want to see what I believe. And it takes effort and it takes faith. Amen? On our part, what do you mean by effort? Not to try and talk God into the notion of being God. It takes effort for us to get ourselves out of the way and do what you're told by the Lord. Amen? And so this is a miracle. And we see this. What is it? I love this statement in verse 11. It says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. God is still interested in manifesting his glory. But you could circle that in your Bible and go, working of miracles. What is a working of miracles? It is a manifestation of God's power in our world. Quote, unquote, our world. Luke chapter 4. You're going to have to go to the left if you're turning pages. If you're pushing buttons, I don't know what direction you go. Just push the buttons. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, 
Verse number 28. Oh, I haven't even gotten to the good ones yet. I got like 100 more. How much time you guys got? All right. I won't keep you much longer. All right. I'm less concerned about you. I'm more concerned about my children's workers downstairs. Okay. (laughs) Unless they're having miracles. You know, maybe they're praying over goldfish right now and they're multiplying. We don't know. We don't, we, we're open to whatever God wants to do around here. (laughs) Luke chapter 4, verse number 28. Oh, I like this one. Jesus passed through the midst of the crowd untouched. So Jesus preached and he was so loving and kind and so just, just squishy with his truth and his care for people (laughs) that he preached a message. He preached a message and the people were filled with what? The Holy Ghost. Oh, no, that wasn't it. Verse 20, they were filled with what? Wrath. They They heard from the Son of God and they got angry. So why should we be surprised if somebody gets mad at us when we share Jesus with them? Oh, no, no. Everybody's going to receive Jesus if they really see him as he truly is. Nope. They're not. And they won't receive you. And they can't get to Jesus, so they may hit you. All right. Usually people don't run and shout on that one. Verse 29. And rose up. They were so mad, they thrust him out of the city. So they went from the synagogue. Now they're traveling out of the city. And they led him to the brow of a what? Hill on which their city was built that they might what? Throw him over the cliff. I think the message was not well received that day. You know, I mean, I... They, apparently, the chairs were not comfortable enough. The AC wasn't just set just right. And the coffee must have been bitter. <laughs> Watch this, verse 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Whoa! That's like he went translucent or something and just... Whoop, Now, I've heard of this happening. There was a girl years ago, I read this testimony, there was a girl who was in a school and she was hated by a particular group of girls. And they caught her in the hallway one day and took her into the bathroom to beat the tar out of her. And all of a sudden, she wasn't in the bathroom. She was in the hallway. And the group actually went, what? And they went out and got her in the hallway again, brought her back into the bathroom, and boom, she was gone again. Yep. Wow. Can you imagine? Come on, you read, read, through your, read through your New Testament. Don't do this. Oh, my goodness, I woke up 30 minutes late, and I got to do my devotion, and, uh, and just read really fast and close it and go, go on your day. No, no, no. Wake up early or wait till you get home. Set aside time. Turn everything off and read what happened to Jesus. There were times he was in the synagogue, and it says he just disguised himself. I mean, they were all there about to throw rocks at him. 
And then boom. He's disguised. And it's like they can't find him. Come on. People are like, I don't remember that. Go search. Go, go look. See if it's in there. Can God take care of us? Can he do miracles? Okay, let's read one more and then we'll stop. I have 10 more. I don't know how many more I have. Six or seven at least. Let's go to... Uh... Oh, man. I can always preach it again next week. <laughs> man, there's the raising of the dead of Tabitha, Eutychus... Oh, I like this one. Paul strikes a man blind. I like that one. I've wanted to do that. <laughs> you know, sometimes as a pastor, you're like, they're giving me trouble, Lord. Let's strike them blind. <laughs> it, apparently, the miracles don't work like that. You can't have certain heart motivations and get this to work. <laughs> Oh, Peter's shadow. Uh, oh, the translation of Philip from Gaza to Azotus. I mean, he was in one spot and bam, he's gone. He water baptizes. Now, I want to do this. Maybe it'll happen on Easter. <laughs> Baptize the last one. Boom, Sean's gone. And I go preach somewhere else. That would be fun. I mean, that's faster than a plane. That's faster than getting an Uber. You know, it's not like Philip was like, hold on, i got to get a taxi. Have you ever read that account? It says that the eunuch went, I guess I'm going now. And he just left. The guy that was baptizing him was there and then not there. I know, in our natural mind, it's not, you've got to really meditate on these things. What would you do if you were the person being baptized? Yeah. I think sometimes we think, we, we don't really put ourselves into what's being said. And allow the Holy Spirit to paint the full picture of what's taking place in that moment. Let's go to Peter's shadow. We'll do that. Acts chapter 5, and this is where we'll end. Acts chapter 5, verse number 12. Do you know not everybody likes the move of God? Do you know that there's people that want to put, us, put the move of God in prison? So we need to realize that as the more God moves. In Billings. Oh, no. We're in Billings. No, we're in Billings, but we're removing strongholds. Strongholds don't like to be removed. Tough. Right? I mean, on the mission field, did they just love being removed? Even the story you told me, Wes, about the, the lady that called you, what, English? Yeah. I should have you share that testimony. I'm going to have you share that testimony. And we'll pick up on Peter later. Do you want to come up here and just share it? Oh, I want you to. I love it so much. It was so good. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate it. <laughs> we walked into this uh, 
very, very bad little house, and there was a woman tied up on the floor, hands, feet, rope, and uh, as we came in, she said, I hate English, and um, obviously this woman was possessed by a demon, and uh, we prayed for her. It was I was the only Caucasian, non-Filipino person there, so we knew who she was talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, so we prayed for her, and uh, the, the Holy Spirit did not immediately deliver her, although he did in the future, and she became a wonderful born-again Christian, which she is to this day. She's on the front row of the church every Sunday, praising the Lord. But even that day, as we walked out of this terrible shack, she said, my English, and it was the demon, of course. Later on, a few weeks later, before everything had taken place, I had a chance to see her again. And I asked her, her name was Nita, I said, Nita, do you remember what you said to me that day? And she said, no. And I said, you said, I hate you, English. And she said, that wasn't me. She said, I was possessed by a demon that day. And so that's what it was all about. Amen. Man, that's powerful. Thank you. Oh, yeah, there was that side of it, oh, yeah. yeah. The other side of it is she was... She spoke in very plain English to me that day, saying, I hate you, English. She does not speak English. She only speaks Cebuano, which is their local language there. And, but it was the most pure English I've ever heard. And so that was the other part of it. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, come on, Judy. Yeah, come on. No, you have to come up here. Here's the reason why, because nobody on the Internet can hear you. <laughs> Besides, you're going to give us all the details. Wes didn't. <laughs> no, Wes gave you all the details. Oh, okay, good. But, but one of the things when she was when Wes went in there, it seems that the demon had been speaking to her, and there was two things he was saying to her. Why don't you come on home? Mm. And it was the voice of her aunt. So it wasn't, it was, it was the voice of her aunt, but it was really a demon asking her to commit suicide. Then another thing happened. <clears throat> See, when you go into a stronghold area, he was talking about strongholds. Oh. They don't want to let it go. Nope. And so she did accept the Lord. She recognized that it was a demon. The demon was trying to get her to commit suicide. The demon was angry that Wes was there. The demon was angry that they prayed, demon was angry that she asked to be baptized. And so she was home one day, and a man came down from the hills carrying a gun and knocked on her door. She opens it, and he intended, cocked the gun, and he intended to kill her. And she said, Jesus, save me. And the gun didn't go off. Wow. So he cocked it a second time. She yelled, Jesus, save me. And it didn't go off. And he looked at her and he says, I'm going to go get my machete. Mm. So anyway, the Lord protected her after she accepted the Lord. And what's really, really neat about the whole thing 
is that the, the house that she was living, eventually lived in, she lived in such a crummy house that Wes had uh, our association build her house. And after this happened, um, Wes said, you and your husband need to go to your husband's area. And so they did. And guess what? Her house is a church. Wow. And it's the only church in that area. Wow. I love it. Wow. You good? All right. Wow. See? I, every time, you know, uh, when Weston Judy shared with us before here at the church, uh, he didn't share that particular story. But when I was invited by Dale and uh, uh, your wife, Marianne, that's her name. Yeah. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> she loves me. <laughs> Sorry, Marianne. I don't know why. You know. Anyway. Yeah, okay, okay, good, good. <laughs> um, but he had shared that at the fundraiser uh, event that they did, and I, that's such a powerful testimony. But uh, Judy is hitting on the right thing that I was pointing out here, strongholds. You know, we think, and now, now this is not just a prophetic warning in a sense, okay, but I just sense it kind of in the spirit. We think sometimes, we think, we get used to our, kind of our lifestyle and the way we do things, and then God starts moving. And how many are excited for God and what he's doing here, okay? I mean, it's just awesome what he's doing, and he keeps growing things. But the brighter the light, bugs, right? So just be aware of that. I mean, the teaching, we have a... And, and I know it's going to go away. I don't understand how it's all going to go away completely. I don't understand all the details of what's going to happen. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy at all. But I know this, that the more that God moves, and he always has a remnant of those that really believe him and trust him. And they're in every denomination that's a true Christian denomination. I'll just put it to you like that. He always does. But the more he moves, the enemy doesn't like it. He, that's why if a demon-possessed lady gets delivered, he'll try to send somebody else to take out that lady. Why? He wants to ruin that testimony. Now, here's a scripture that comes to mind in that, direct, in that same type of deal, only it was the raising of the dead of Lazarus. But the Jews wanted to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. What did Lazarus do? Nothing. He died, and then he wasn't dead. How's that his fault? But the Jews didn't look at it like that. All they were looking at is, oh my goodness, and the spirit behind the motivation of what they were doing is looking and going, the people are going to believe. The people are going to believe. And guess what? In Billings, the people are going to believe. Yeah. And it will spread out. But here's the thing. we got to realize that in the midst of that, you're going to have something counter. So what do we do? In the name of Jesus... And we use our authority over our enemy. And the enemy isn't necessarily the physical being that we see in front of us in person. Whether it be male or female, it's the spirit that motivates. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. The person that's cocking the gun, God wants to save just as much as the person he saved that they hate. Come on. And so that's where we got to understand that. And so where does it all come in? It's the working of a miracle. 
What happened? There was this interruption in a demon-possessed, so demon-possessed lady, she had to be tied down. But we understand these things in America is all medical. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. But you understand what I'm saying. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.